Hello friends, welcome to the B-Side for the Film Stage. Here, we talk about movie stars, not the movies that made them famous or kept them famous, but the ones that they made in between. And today, we return to Beantown to talk about the films of Maki, Mock, Wahlberg, the rapper turned model, turned actor. Do you like how my Boston accent <laughs> quickly went from Boston to New York? It like went down the yeah, turnpike. Yeah, it was a very general. It went mocky mock Wahlberg coffee, New York. Took, took a solid four to five hour drive down the yeah, highway. I don't even, yeah, a clean four, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, um, depends on who you are, I suppose. As always, I'm here with Connor O'Donnell. You're hearing his voice. Yep. Connor, off the bat, what's your favorite Mark Wahlberg film? Um, that is a good question. That's why I asked it, buddy. Yeah, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good question. I, hmm. Film or performance? Cause I feel like they might be two different things for me. Right. I think that will be an interesting, well, we'll talk about it's, that. Cause it's I, an interesting prelude into our conversation. Yeah, yeah. I'm, my question is, is film purely yeah, best I, film he's in. The best film that he's in, um, yeah. Best film that he, I mean, he's he's mostly been a star of movies, so it's not yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean. Like I I don't know because it's it's tough because like I this is gonna sound like such a basic answer, but I the the Departed is very enjoyable. Like it's just so right. You can just kind of put it on and it sort of washes over you. And and and, and I think of that as a Mark Wahlberg movie. Almost, yeah, almost just as much, for. yeah, and almost just as much as anybody else in that movie. Frankly, like, I think you, I think he kind of, it's a, it's a true commanding supporting performance because he, oh yeah, because he, he really does make make an impression. Um, I, but he's been in better movies than that. I would say maybe Boogie Nights, probably. Okay, so right, Boogie Nights feels like a go to answer. Yeah, of course. now that's, that's probably the best one he's been in. I now probably. I. I had time to consult my letterbox, obviously. Mm. So for me, um, there are three Wahlberg movies that I have rated as five stars on my letterbox. Now, if you listen to this, you know that I have my letterbox. I I log my movies pretty religiously. I have a running, ever-evolving um, list of my favorite films, which is always around 800 at this point. And it's they're every film I give five stars to. So it's a very personal list, right? It's very much like, like we said, cocktails on that list. Can I Elizabeth- make a bet on one of them? Sure. I'm going to just throw a shot in the dark just because I feel like I know you. It's three. Three Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah. So is one of them We Own the Night? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, my friend. Hang on. Wait, wait. Got- no, no, no. Let me. I kind of like this game. So hang on. I'm, I'm well, the sc- other two, I feel like. I'm are- scrolling through his IMDb. Yeah. Is. Well, let me just say, this is a hint. And I was going to say, Corey, Corey Everett, who we love, cinephile creator, cinephile card game, little cinephile book writer. Yeah. The great a, Corey a for Everett. Auteur is he, the, uh, a for Arthur is the... A for Arthur. Thank you. He, um, he, it would be mad at me because Boogie Nights is not one of the three. Which is fair. I, that, I mean, yeah. again, I, that, to your point, it feels like an easy answer um well look someday we'll get into boogie nights on our pta episode or whatever and i'll talk about the things i don't love about that movie i like that movie a lot but i don't it's not on my uh my favorite films list but anyway go ahead okay, Two more. okay so Try one of one of them's we on the night for sure um 
It a movie is. that I, I did not always love. And only upon rewatching over the years, I've kind of accepted as, in my opinion, the masterpiece it is. Is one um, of them a movie we're going to talk about? No. Okay. Interesting. Okay. I will um, say that this is a spoiler for one of them. The Gambler, for a moment, I had given five stars. No, because right. Because I, I know you have I, a soft spot. I do, that was I do like love a, that movie, I but I, I've since before. come a little bit more okay, to my so senses. Okay, so I'm going to yeah. say it's We Own the Night. Uh, this is a shot in the dark, but so I don't know if it's... Is Pain and Gain one of them? No, I don't... Pain and Gain is not... People love that movie... That's not one I love. That probably uh, should should have been my answer, actually. Now that I'm, I was thinking you were maybe going to say that. He's yeah. it, it. That movie keys into. It's not a B side, so we won't talk about it. But I do think it. It's on the cusp. Of it's B-side. sort of a. It's sort of a bummer, and I because they you know they made like whatever Transformers movies afterwards. So it's um bro uh uh Transformers Age of Extinction <laughs> Transformers the last, the last night, night dude no I, I I was just gonna say it's sort of a bummer that that he kind of went down the Peter Berg partnership rabbit hole because I think and again the Transformers movies would contradict this I suppose but but in my brain a, a Michael Bay partnership and continued collaboration seemed like it would have been more fruitful because I feel like. I feel like at least, and maybe it's just the movie, right? Maybe it's just pain and gain, you know, just the specifics of its plot or whatever. But I feel like it's so uh, accurately taps into the things that work about Mark Wahlberg as a leading man. Um, well, I know, look, I think, you know, pain and gain did not perform partic- particularly yeah. well. And I think Michael Bay, you know, he makes the Benghazi movie after that, but I right. think he basically. That might have been a little bit eye-opening for him. You know, a guy who makes basically just hits, aside from the island, right? You know what I mean? Like, And then he he kind of tries his hand at something a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit weirder. Yeah. All right. Which hit, is why people, what do I people like? I'll tell you. Hit, hit me with okay. the other two. Hit me with the other two. All right. So my three that are rated five stars in my letterbox are Three Kings. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's a good one. The Other Guys. Oh yeah, that is. A, yeah. And we we own the night. Um, so yeah, the other yeah, guys I mean, is, a, is a masterpiece. Is like a co- a modern comedy masterpiece. And Mar- and Mark Wahlberg is is, is very is very funny. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah. And he sh- you shot Derek Jeter. You know the whole thing. <laughs> it's Bobby Cannavale. But um, so Three Kings is a very formative movie for me growing up. I think we talked about it. I feel like in other episodes in the George Clooney episode, as a matter of fact. So we don't need to go back into that. But I love Three Kings. The other guys, great comedy. Um, but also another movie, not unlike We Own the Night, over time, it's grown. I think when I saw it, I didn't love it. And now I feel like it's kind of a masterwork uh, of comedy. Um, anyway, so those are the movies that come to my mind when I think of great Mark Wahlberg movies. Um, in preparing for this episode, I this is a funny thing. I learned that I've seen every single one of his movies... <laughs> Except for two way early on, a movie called The Substitute um, that he made um, way early on. And then a Bill Paxton independent movie called Traveler, which I never saw. Other than those two early movies, I've seen everything he's ever done, which I didn't really realize that. And the only one I hadn't seen uh, before he even prepared for this was Patriot's Day, which was one of his Peter Berg collaborations, which I did subsequently watch. Um, 
and I didn't love um we weren't this is not a Patriots Day episode, but there's stuff at the end, kind of when they're having the showdown with the terrorists that was engaging, kind of in that classic Peterberg way. If you can get past some of the assumptions about some things, which I know people struggle with in this kind of very heavily politicized culture we live in. Um, and Patriots Day is a weird one. That's that's you would have to really dig into kind of the complex tonal things it's doing. We've mentioned it on this podcast before. They, yeah. they invented, they invented. The biggest problem I have with the movie is they invent Mark Wahlberg's character. He's not a real person, right. and everybody else in the movie basically is 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 a real person. Which I don't, I don't know why they did. I get why they did it for the narrative, but even when I finally did watch the movie. It could have so simply been, I don't know. It's just a, just it was about a weird the other choice. People and, well, and yeah. it's just, you think to yourself like, oh, my assumption was he was the through line through the picture, which is, yes, it's true, but it's, 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 it is an ensemble movie. Like he's the lead, yeah. but it's not like, it's way more kind of ensemble than I thought it was, which anyway, um, so yeah, I've seen when I so when I was younger, we always talk about when did you kind of know about Mark Wahlberg? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure for maybe for you, for a lot of people our age, Boogie Nights is the one that comes to mind. I saw Boogie Nights later, actually. I um, did too. Sure. It wasn't the thing. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't my like introduction well, so, to. So him. we might overlap on this then. Okay. The movies that I saw with Marky Mark were. And I can remember him vividly. Like, I saw them young. They were Renaissance Man, yeah. which was his uh-huh. first movie, which he credits yeah. Penny Marshall with giving him a movie career, right? Because yeah. Penny Marshall took a shot on him, and he was not a good actor, right? He was a rapper. It was – people were kind of rolling their eyes at this idea that the, you know, the, 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 the Marky good, Mark – The good vibrations guy is going to – Yeah, turn yeah. Calvin Klein model yeah. would try to act. And Penny Marshall gave him the shot. And, you know, Renaissance Man, when you look back at the reviews, it got panned. I, growing up, Really, I loved the movie. that movie. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Danny DeVito doing um, Dead Poets at a military academy, which I I love. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I, I remember. Like, I feel like it was it was one of those movies. I feel like it was either on Comedy Central or cable a lot, and so and like I the posters, like just... the classic. He like it, the the bit of the posters, the bit of the whole movie, which is like Danny DeVito's really short. Isn't the, I mean that's the bit of every Danny DeVito joke in like the nineties, right? Um, but uh but so that one 80s, um so that one and then um fear of course with Reese Witherspoon I right. saw that at a young age um and then way too young of an age did I see and I don't even know how uh the basketball diaries which he is one of the other t- teammates alongside um alongside Leo and that's another movie that kind of got ignored, but when I was young, really like affected me. Like, whoa. And then the last one, um, and this was one that I, I really loved. And uh, I recently rewatched it just for fun, and it's that has not aged particularly well. I love that movie, The Big Hit. Where oh, he's I've never the seen Hitman. it. Oh man. I've never seen but it. I was the, it's like a comedy hitman. He's sleeping with like Christina a Pulp Fiction ripoff movie, a little thing. bit, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Lou Diamond Phillips is in it, and he's doing a lot. And it's certainly, I think, Bokeem Woodbine is in it. It's oh, like okay. very like, 
It's just so 90s. I think Antonio Sabata Jr. is like one of the hitmen. It's like very like um, – anyway, was it, do any of those other – you mentioned uh, so, Renaissance Man. Yeah, so Renaissance Man was definitely one. Again, I didn't even – that to me I think even kind of came after the fact because I feel like when I would watch – when I would catch that movie in circulation, it was one of those like – Oh, that's Mark Wahlberg. Like I already knew who he was. You know what I mean? Like it was like I like it was sort of just funny to see him young in a thing or whatever. I like wanted, when you watched it at first, you didn't know it was him, right? 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 He, no, no, no. Like when I, I feel like when I watched it, I already knew who he was. Oh, 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 got Even, it. Okay. Like so, and I feel like I'm trying to place where that would have come from, and I think two places. One, uh, one of my older sisters had like the hots for him. And so I definitely caught fear and the basketball diaries fear. I think is probably the first impression I had of him, but the, but this all kind of, I feel like congealed around the same time where I feel like I also, I feel like it was also around the same time I watched three Kings on like pay-per-view, you know? And so like, sure. Late nineties. Yeah. Like it was probably around there. So he kind of, and this is, I think something that's sort of interesting about his career and maybe sort of to his credit and a little different than maybe even some of the other bigger movie stars we've talked about. He kind of like showed up and then was just there. And then is just sort of like, if you look at his filmography, he's kind of sort of like, generally ever present in some capacity you know well is it no so this is so yeah no and like so, he doesn't really have lulls so no to speak. right like, and this is i think a good so it's a good segue into the four we're going to be focusing on but but i think these four are going to really i think pinpoint what's interesting about mark Wahlberg. and i was actually thinking about movie stars he parallels and i'll get to that after this the four movies are they're a little bit more late period than what we've been talking about. It's Contraband from 2012, Broken City from 2013, The Gambler remake of the James Toback movie, The Gambler, uh, 2014, and All the Money in the World from 2017, in which he's more of a supporting character. Um, but I was thinking about this. Mm. He's kind of like a more, in terms of movie stardom, all right, we're not comparing talent or whatever. Yeah, he's kind of a more reliable, especially now that he's been doing it for basically 25 years. He's basically, in terms of track record, a more reliable Bruce Willis, Hmm. where Bruce Willis, you know, maybe Mark Wahlberg never hit the stratospheric highs of Die Hard Armageddon, right? Where like, yeah, from, like he was for Mark, a moment, Mark Wahlberg Bruce, has never been a mega hit box office star. I mean, I think there he's been very close, but I think, but also not unlike Bruce Willis, and this is what I think we're going to get to in these four movies. He has kind of two modes, and mm-hmm. he's and it seems like Mark Wahlberg maybe until recently, because he's been working with Peter Berg, and you, it seems like Wahlberg feels like he's found his, like, in his mind. It, I'm, it, I'm putting words in his mouth, of course. It, it would appear to me with Peter Berg, it would seem he has found somebody who he can do everything he wants to do in a myriad of different pictures with Peter Berg, and we, we can touch on that. But yeah, anyway. it's like a, it's like a Cruise Macquarie thing, or like a. Like where you just you well yeah it, it seems yes, this, it I seems suppose. like this ongoing collaborative creative partnership that sure. 
also, and uh, you know, maybe to the detriment of both those people that I just mentioned, like maybe doesn't feel particularly challenging, right? Well, like, and I, that's what I mean. I think to maybe us, to Johnny Filmgoer, it doesn't seem overly like challenging, but maybe to them, they feel like they're able to do all these different know, things within these different modes sure. more than you necessarily think. Now, so here's the thing. I think when I think of a Mark Wahl, like what we think of as a Mark Wahlberg movie, right? I think you get you get tough guy Mark Wahlberg, cop Mark Wahlberg, which could be the same thing, of course, right? Um, and then goofy Mark Wahlberg, right? So those that mode, right? Where some some movies it's a combination, something like The Big Hit, for example, he's like goofy, tough hitman, mm-hmm. right? So it's all happening. Three Kings. Right, goofy comic relief, kind of also tough soldier, right? Yeah, and then the other side of that, which I still think counts in like the what you expect from Marky Mark movies canon, is the perfect storm, which is like softy Mark Wahlberg with like hard edge Mark Wahlberg with a soft center. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I think yeah, yeah. something like instant family, a movie, which I actually really liked a lot, a couple from a couple of years ago is all, also counts where it's like tough love, mm-hmm. you know, heart in the right place, G- gentle giant type, uh, you know, kind of good Catholic, good Christian yeah. type of thing. Yeah, even, sure. even the daddy's home movies are, would fit that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then the other, the other side, which two of our movies, I think encapsulate, is and I think the the happening the happening is the perfect encapsulation of like how most of these movies have failed. Sure. And and this is where I would equate it to Bruce Willis because Bruce Willis also did this and had and not maybe he doesn't do this anymore either. But back in the day, Bruce Willis would also try to do this. Is like the Thinking Man's Mark Wahlberg movies, which is like. All the money in the world, great example. The gambler is like, in my opinion, the the example, right? And then I think the one that people would point to is the happening where he plays a teacher and he he got ridiculed for that performance because it felt so out of place. But he said in interviews, like he wanted to not always play cops. He was like, M. Night Shyamalan offered me to play a teacher. Like, I'm going to take that role because... You want to do different things and it's like and you have to imagine and it's I mean, who knows? That's an interesting movie to call out because like it's a it it's the kind of thing that you you see you could almost maybe if you're M. Night Shyamalan see exactly what you're talking about with the Bruce Willis thing. Right. And obviously had famously so much success with bruce willis in the two performances i guess now three performances oh interesting yeah that he that he directed him in right so you could maybe see how he could look at somebody like mark Wahlberg and be like oh maybe that yeah maybe that's what i and now granted the happening on the page even is just a vastly different movie than no but you're right unbreakable but well i could see maybe if you're if you're M. Night Shyamalan wanting to kind of unlock that same kind of thing, I think the problem with Wahlberg in, the, I mean, in that particular performance, and we'll maybe talk about it a little bit with the gambler because they're sort of similar, but is that his, he just, oh, it feels like he overcompensates, right? It feels like he overcompensates for whatever his innate 
uh, gruffness or hard edges might be. And it just comes off as a caricature, right? It just comes off as almost like he's almost like he's not taking it seriously or it, or it feels comical right now. The happening that's, that's always one of those things where it's easy to ridicule the Mark Wahlberg performance in that, but it's just also, he's stuck within a movie that is in an, in and of itself so ridiculous that it's just, it's hard to like, you know, it's not entirely, I feel like that's just the movie rubbing off on him a little bit, but the, with the Willis thing, I feel like, it's a really good comparison because I feel like Willis would do the same thing where he would play maybe these more quote unquote sensitive roles or whatever. And earlier in his career may have overcompensated or, or, or played them in, in or chosen roles that maybe were more sensitive sap saps, quote unquote. Uh, but in movies that allowed him to be broad, right. So that it didn't fit. He could take that, big overcompensating swing the other way and it would still feel at home you, you know you think of something like a death becomes her or something like that right um, well yeah yeah in the early in the late 80s and the early 90s there's a lot of that where he really so like just to put an emphasis on your point right in 89 he makes in country right and then in 1990, he plays the Peter Fallow role in The Bonfire of the Vanities, yeah. right? And then, yeah, you, like you said, in 92, he's in Death Becomes Her. So, like, all three of those roles are, like, way different from John McClane, right? Way different from, you know, Look Who's Talking voice work, right? right. Like, Hudson Hawk, Sunset, where he's, like, you know, like, cocksure, Bruce Willis, you know, kind of a version of Bruno, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, guy, yeah. right. He's, yeah. he's doing something else. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think with Wahlberg, it, I think there are, cause even with all the money in the world, which we'll get to, he's able to unlock this, I think a little bit, but, um, I think the key with Willis, frankly was, and this is, you know, I feel like this is like this for a lot of these guys, right? I think it was the key with Mickey Rourke. I think it was the key with, with a, a a few other, you know, with Stallone even, um, is he got older, right? And as he ages, right, you get, you get Willis in, uh, even you know, even in Unbreakable in two thousand compared to something like you know, well, no, I mean, it, look, it's, look, it's this... a sensitive performance that is is nested in someone who is seemingly tough or whatever, right? And that's well, the no, whole... look, the, the Sixth Sense, yeah, right. When we're talking about the happening, that's a great comp because. That's probably the first time really where you're like, oh, wow, Bruce Willis is doing something different and I really like it. Right. He's, right? It's, I mean, it's, he's like unlocked. He's kind of found. Some... Aside from cameos. Right. Aside yeah, from yeah. like, you know, self-effacing cameo stuff like the player or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. Which he does all the time, you know. And, you know, Bruce Willis back in the day, I, I don't know if he's does it as much now like he was great at making fun of himself he'd come on letterman right and stuff mm -hmm. like that like yeah. he was really but like in terms of in movies that he led six senses is, is certainly a departure that of course is a huge hit um so it's a great comparison and yeah i think with mark Wahlberg, our first movie contraband right 2012 yeah is a down the middle yeah, Marky a, Mark special. A, I don't. Like, I don't remember when this movie came out, but it feels like a. Oh, I saw this in theaters. It feels friend. like a like King of January. Like, oh yeah, I think it was. You know, like I'm that almost positive. I'm gonna confirm, but I'm almost positive it was like a February sixth. We should say, um, our girl January thirteenth, 
Oh, yeah. right. There you middle go. January 2012. Perfect. A surprise uh, hit. Yeah. Made, and, made, made nearly 100 million worldwide, cost only 25 or so. Yeah. And I this is feels like the one where like Mark <laughs> calls all of his buddies in Boston. He's like, yo, I made one for you. Go see it. It's out. It's like <laughs> I'm doing what you want to do. Where it's literally so well, I Well, it's post the fighter, right? So he Right after the fighter. Yeah. I think it's the movie he makes. I think it's, it's right after literally it's literally the 20, movie makes right 2010 after. is yeah. the fighter. He takes a minute for like two years. Right. I, this movie I think did get delayed for whatever reason. So yeah, he makes it right after the fighter. Balthazar Kalmarkor, the Icelandic, the Icelandic director, who is great. I really like his movies. Uh, some of them, not all of them. He, but anyway, who Wahlberg works with again in Two Guns, as a matter of fact. Um, yeah, and but, we should say this is a remake. This is a an American. Oh right, ad- I forgot. This is a remake yeah, of, a, uh, of, of a film a, called Reykjavik, of, Rotterdam. Right, of an Icelandic film. Yeah, right. Of course, um, not directed. Not directed um, by Balthazar Kormakor, but actually starring Balthazar Kormakor. Isn't that funny? Oh, I did not know that. That's yeah. He's in. He's in the movie, but he did not direct the That's original. So, well, okay. So rewatching this, I liked it about as much as I did when I saw yeah, it same. eight years ago. Same. And this is what I like about this movie. It's not a great movie by any means. A classic three stars on Letterbox. But I love the pace of this movie. The movie. This movie's like. This movie starts and it's like, and Two Guns is kind of like this as well, actually. Yeah. Where it's like, it's like the movie begins and it's like, hey, Kate Beckinsale's stupid brother, Caleb Landry Jones, the beginning okay. of the Caleb Landry Jones plays the shitty brother yeah, yeah. trilogy. It's, yeah, it, 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 a seeming just ongoing thing. He, uh, I mean, he hasn't, um, he hasn't done it in a minute, but yeah, it's like this. American made. And Get Out. He's like, and get out. Caleb Landry Jones is the brother of your significant other. Just Watch walk, out. Walk away. <laughs> and it's literally like, it's literally like uh, he fucks up. Uh, he has to dump a bunch of product for a local crime guy who is just Gian- Giovanni Rubisi going full Rubisi it's in this. A, yeah. I, how do you feel about this performance? I mean, look, here's my thing with Rabisi. Yeah. I'll always take Rabisi. So, you know, yeah. you give me you give me a little bit of Rabisi with my <laughs> meal. I can just sprinkle a little Rabisi. Now, here's the thing about this movie. And we were texting about this. Uh-huh. This might be too much of appetizers and Susan because you got Ben Foster, <laughs> you got Rabisi, and you got Caleb Landry Jones. Just really like put it yeah. on and i so i think this is a performance from giovanni rubisi that i n- normally would infuriate me right like normally i would just be like wow god what are you even doing right but in the, i think this movie and what's nice about it is i think it just it knows exactly what it is everybody involved knows exactly what it is do you know what i mean like they're not oh and, yeah and so and so it is the kind of fun distracting scenery chewing performance that is I think kind of welcome in a movie like this. Well, and also we're not going to, we don't want to go back to Kate Beckinsale, but she is Mark Wahlberg's wife in this movie. And like yes. I said, yeah. um, Giovanni, or sorry, Caleb Landry Jones is her brother. That family tree is a little complicated for me, but okay. <laughs> and um, Kate, Kate B just to kind of put a button on our last episode. This is a great example of what we're talking about in the other episode, which is she is elevating this like material like where it's like she's just playing you know concerned wife but she gets like two or three scenes where you're like wow she really 
you know, and a credit to Cormacore, obviously, and Wahlberg, who who produced it, of course. But like the, Beck and as well, but Beck and Sale, sporting blonde hair in this, is like adding a just a tad of complexity to the role that makes it makes you care about her a little bit more than a normal one of these movies. Well, and it helps because it's it it it's. I think a, normally in a movie like this, right, she would be she is used as the stakes, but she, you know, that so that part of it's not uncommon. Right. But like to also then take those stakes and give them, at, at you know, at least a little bit of agency. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just makes it all a little bit more fun to watch and a little bit more interesting. And she. um yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's the big part of it. The the one nice thing, I guess, we'll do a plot real quick. It's a fairly simple plot. It's not super crazy. Yeah, actually, more more simple than I remember. Yeah, actually. me too. Because yeah. I, I remember there are there are like I mean I think the whole point of the movie is that it is very simple and gets a little complicated, and that's the whole thing, right? But um, but basically, Mark Wahlberg is a former smuggler. Uh, who and son of a smuggler, his dad is in jail for smuggling, basically. Um, and which is which is like my dad is in jail for smuggling, so I that's another thing I, I relate to this movie because, yeah, no, 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 right, right, you're you're the son of a smuggler, right, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but basically, he his name is Chris Faraday, Faraday, also a ever reliable last name uh, oh sure for a character for sure sure. like it pops up a ton and it's it just always sounds nice but uh he's chris faraday and basically caleb landry jones is his brother-in-law kate back and sales brother and he is doing a job with giovanni ribisi who is you know sort of still in the life still living the life well and and the barely in the movie Jason Mitchell, who he he departs quickly, is oh, his yes. friend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And basically, um, Caleb Landry Jones botches this job for Giovanni Ribisi, winds up dumping a package he's supposed to be smuggling sort of prematurely, and O's. he yeah, he's essentially in hawk to Giovanni Ribisi. So Mark Wahlberg, in classic fashion for a movie like this, kind of has to go back in to kind of get his brother out of the shit or his brother-in-law, I should say out of the shit. So he takes his, uh, everyone's favorite heist partner, Lucas Haas. <laughs> yeah. Which we were laughing. Uh, <laughs> like Lucas Haas is like in inception. He messes up the carpet yeah. at the beginning, <laughs> which is it's, why it's just how, uh, Watanabe knows it's a dream. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they kind of make mention of like, He's been slipping recently. And at the beginning of this movie, Wahlberg's like, we got to put a crew together. And they're like, what about Lucas Haas? And they're like, well, he's not good, but we can we, trust we like him. him. And I was yeah. like, well, then don't. What? <laughs> like, why? Like, Lucas uh, Haas just, just coming off a of witness. Hot. <laughs> uh, but but uh, he's actually, actually, I like him a lot. Of this no, movie, it's a but. good little supporting performance. And yeah. I mean, unlike Inception, he sticks around. You know, he's like, he's there for basically. He does. It's nice. The, it's nice when movie. members of the posse can continue <laughs> to continue to thrive. Um, but basically, um, Mark Wahlberg, as Dan mentioned, puts this crew together and they have to. Well, and don't forget, Ben Foster is his like best friend. Yeah. Ben Foster is his handler. Uh, his best friend and, and handler, 
right? Um, who is essentially going to, you know, gave them this the the lead on this uh, counterfeit money that they are going to? Is it Brazil? Yeah. Well, so basically, yeah, it's basically like Foster's a contractor now. Mark Wahlberg. Panama. Installs- sorry, I'm correcting myself. They go to they have to Panama. go to Panama to to well because they go to the canal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they have to and, steal counterfeit money. Right, and and he and like Wahlberg refuses to to transport drugs. That's like his line or whatever. And then Foster is like a contractor who's gone straight, and Wahlberg is installing security systems for like you know rich muckety mucks you know in the area. What's the city? Is it Chicago? It's uh, New Orleans, I believe. New Orleans, yeah. sorry, New Orleans. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is one of the movies when like New Orleans had those tax credits after, you know, trying to recover their city. This is like a yeah. lot of movies during. That's like Benjamin Button is one of those where they're making a lot of movies it's, in New Orleans. It's kind time. of the only. Re- you know what's funny is nobody else feels like they're from Louisiana in this movie, and it's the only the only performance that feels even remotely at home. Ironically, sort of. Well, is, Fo- Foster. Oh, I was going to say Giovanni Ribisi. Oh yeah, is like I think Foster a little bit, but yeah. Um, but yeah, Mark Wahlberg, classic Louisiana native, Mark Wahlberg, Louisiana boy, Mark Wahlberg. But so, so basically. Yeah, that's that's basically the movie, right? Basically, yeah, yeah. they make this run on a ship. J.K. Simmons is the captain of the ship. He hates Wahlberg because he hated his father. Yeah, and but there's more. There's complexity to that character that we find out, right? There's this whole plan, this hull in the ship where they're going to take the counterfeit money, and then when, but then they have to go into Panama, and shit gets shit goes sideways with Diego Luna, who's just like crazy you know, took over the business from a guy that, you know, uh, Mark Wahlberg's character, Chris Faraday, used to know. And they have to, like, in you know, in, like, 30 minutes, being involved with a heist that goes sideways. Like, they literally, for, like, 20 seconds, get involved in, like, if the heat heist went more wrong than it went at the beginning of heat. <laughs> and then... um and then they have to get back on the boat. But then, of course, that's just the beginning of their problems, right? And yeah. then it's like, Caleb Andrew Jones fucks up and things get... We well, won't need to spoil it. But when I talk about pace, what I like about the movie is I think what my brain... And I think you you were kind of alluding to this, Connor. Yeah. What my brain, as a movie watcher who's seen many movies like this, what my brain is structured to think is, okay, what we're going to see is the Caleb fuck up at the beginning... Then Mark getting pulled back into it, hiding it from his wife, right? right? Then fucking up so that his wife has to find out. Yep. And then having to make good on the second fuck up by going deeper and like deeper in. And that doesn't happen. And it's actually refreshing. He doesn't hide anything from Kate Beckinsale. No, that's, I was going to say, that's the nice thing about the Beckinsale character. And I think it's why she's kind of allowed the room to do what we were talking about before is that there's no, like, they don't, she's not like one of these, like, I said no. And it's like, no, she gets what needs to happen. No, she's, it's not like, she is yeah. totally with him and she understands the stakes and she understands what's going on. And she's like, they don't treat her like a fucking idiot, right? Like right, she's, right, right. she's in the know and it's, and it helps, like I said, with the agency because it allows her character to make active decisions based on that information. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah. And then the other part of that, which I was saying is, the initial we have to do this to save this Caleb Landry Jones. There's ne- that's everything that stems from that job. There's never like a reset, 
right? Yeah. Like the rest of the movie is following in the footsteps of what goes right and goes wrong in this initial smuggle operation. And so I like that because it never stops, right? Like yeah. at the moment you think like, okay, they have it figured out. Another thing happens and it just kind of goes boom, 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 and escalation, escalation, escalation. And then it's, and then you take a breath and the movie's over. And I'm like, yeah, like this is not some masterpiece, but as a piece of entertainment, you're in the movie theater, you're on Netflix, wherever you're watching this, you, you are going to be surprised how quickly it moves mm -hmm. and it's runtime's normal it's you know 100 minutes or so before credits yeah. but it zips along because and this is it's i mean it to doesn't follow some sort of serpentine uh usual suspects-esque no. kind of thing where there and and there are you know they i i think it obviously it attempts little twists and turns or whatever but most of them are basically you know turns and directions you saw coming anyway but not even really not not for worse you know what i mean it's just it's sort of you're sort of waiting for them to happen and then when they happen you sort of are there just with them as you watch them play out and it's there's a simplicity to it that's makes that keeps it moving at that pace and don't you think it speaks to mark Wahlberg as action star he's almost like and this is meant to be a compliment he's like a economically lean action star like when you at his best as an action star it's the italian job mm. it's contraband it's two guns right it's like it's like lock in this dude's gonna carry your movie it's not overly complicated just roll with this dude he's gonna make some jokes he's handsome he's charming he basically one one underrated thing about warburg i think is he can kind of cajole chemistry out of like most of his Co-stars. Like, uh, Co-stars. Mm. Zoe Chanel being an exception, right, in that <laughs> yeah. same movie that happening, right? Yeah. But most of the time, whether it's Michelle Monaghan in Patriot's Day, whether it's Kate Beckinsale, whether it's – I mean, even this is different because they're not romantically, but even like Michelle Williams, which we'll get to. I I, I defend the Mark Wahlberg performance and all the money in the world, which yeah. I know people, yeah. people disagree with. But anyway, um, Contraband is a great example of like you have Mark Wahlberg in neutral – this is what you get, and I think this is way better than a lot of people's, you know, down the middle stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, I mean, I think this is even right on par with like, you know, or even better than a what would have been back in the day a down the middle Bruce Willis movie. Like, look, compare this to something like a movie like uh, Mercury Rising. Or, or, or like st striking distance is the one that I always think oh, yeah. of. Where okay, sure, sure. Yeah. Like striking distance, shot in Pittsburgh, represent like is like one one B plot too many. Like if in, and that specific if you ever watch that movie specifically, there's like this insane part of it where if you just take it out, it's such a '90s thing. If you just excise it from the movie and it's just a standard <laughs> murder mystery, it's a totally good fine right, movie right. yeah but they add this thing and this is my point like we're not going to talk about max Payne, right yeah. we're not going to talk God. about the lovely bones we're not going to talk about um the lovely bones would fit into that category of performance no but this is my point yeah. lovely bones max Payne, planet of the apes are all movies that if they are streamlined if they are simplified if if the people involved say okay we have mark Wahlberg, let's let him do what he's good at in this mode there is a movie that can be very good, 
right? And I think what you run into is, and I don't necessarily think this is Mark Wahlberg's fault. I just think it's interesting to to explore is like when you put him in an overly complicated, overly convoluted situation, it, it sometimes seems like his persona is almost not big enough to handle, if that makes sense. He feels, I, and not unlike Bruce Willis, right? Uh, it's that as as sort of your tough guy leading man goes, right? Or you, you, he feels kind of more every man than a lot of other choices might, right? Totally. And so I think that, a thing a thing that is less that is less common now. No, right? a, I mean, a hundred a hundred percent. And right? it's, what we're talking about is actually a good segue to our next sure, movie, yeah, actually, yeah. because. This is one that that's too complicated, actually. And 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 let me just as we segue to Broken City, uh, the 2013 kind of neo-noir directed yeah. by Alan Hughes. Um, the truth about Charlie, right? Oh, the Jonathan yeah. Demme movie, right? It was supposed yeah. to be Will Smith up until like very like right up until filming. It was supposed to be Will Smith. Things fell through. And I think in a last minute shuffle they got mark Wahlberg. now those are two very different movie stars right <laughs> and and when you think about if you've seen the truth about charlie which i do not hate i think jonathan demi utilizing whatever goodwill he had left at that point to basically make a fun French new wave lark right in you know in a in in disguised essentially as a remake of charade right yeah i love that he did it and i love that it exists and i love that you can watch it you know <laughs> and it's like the fact that beloved and the truth about charlie and the manchurian candidate are basically the what he gets to do because of the silence of the lambs in Philadelphia. Yeah. I think that's a great fun, insane three movies. Right. So like I would recommend people watch truth, but Charlie, the problem is right. Mark Wahlberg plays the Cary Grant role ostensibly in the movie. Tandy Newton, I find to be very good in the movie. I find her to be very charming. Wahlberg, unfortunately, looks lost in the movie he's in yeah which if you remember charade right Cary grant and this is obviously i think and this is what's funny i think will smith would have done a, actually a way better job because i think Cary grant's will smith's closer to Cary grant sure. in a lot of respects sure. than mark Wahlberg, which is like it's like robert mitchum being in charade or like yeah. you know what i mean or like yeah, robert no, no, no. ryan being in charade where yeah. it's like those dudes so, aren't it, dealing with complicated kind of, plots it's like those of, dudes are not yeah, dealing with it's kind you know, of funny it's kind of funny you mentioned bruce willis when you were looking at comparisons and that's a that's a i think a fair comparison and i'm sure bruce willis got compared to the actor i'm about to mention but when i, when I was watching a lot of these movies i was thinking like lee marvin Right. Yeah. Like that's like the type of dude. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like that's just the type of leading man Mark Wahlberg is. Right. A hundred percent. And and he's to his credit, maybe, you know, a little more successful at leaning towards something like a gambler or all the money in the world than somebody like Lee Marvin might have been. But he's he's just he's a tough, generally speaking, tough guy, leading man. Nothing wrong with it. It's his wheelhouse, right? And the 
I just if him I I think the truth about Charlie casting is a thing that also comes out of and I I'm this is me speculating, right? Like I'm I have no idea. But it's the same thing that the that the Planet of the Apes casting comes out of, which is like you this dude 100% does not belong in this movie, but he's also generally speaking, you know, kind of new to being a movie star and really just trying it all out. Right. And it's like, well, and, and look, and Wahlberg has said he like not unlike Tom Cruise in the 80s and the 90s. He wanted to work with good directors. Right. Tim Burton calls him about Planet of the Apes. And he, and, he said he didn't even read the script. Right. He was yeah. like, yeah, I'll be there. Like we, Tim Burton. Yeah, and, and he basically does that. Right. Like he does a Burton. He does Demi. He starts working with David. Or, he does David or two David or Russell's. He does a Scorsese. Right. He does a Scorsese. He, he has a falling out with O'Russell because, right, O'Russell doesn't cast him in Silver Linings Playbook. Right. And instead casts Bradley Cooper. Right. Which oh, I think and is sorry, he does he does three O'Russells. Yeah, the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fight. I, I, sk- yeah. I skipped that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but I'm, I'm sort of more talking about like at this point, right? He's like just, but he is just churning through like- mm-hmm. He's yeah. do, he's doing the thing we talk about a lot on this podcast, which is like he seems to have or he's elevating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he seems to have his murderer's row of just a list that he's checking off or whatever. Yeah, he does John Moore, Max Payne. You and know. Of course, obviously. I Max Payne is a thing. I it's him being in Max Payne is the same thing that I have to wonder is like the same reason, like uh uh what's I can't think of his name now. Assassin's Creed. Um Oh, Fastbender. Fastbender winds up in Assassin's Creed, right? Like, well, but Fastbender apparently. Oh, you mean like they love the video? No, games? right? Like I, because right, I, right, I could right, totally right, right. see Mark Wahlberg having a PlayStation Two in his trailer with Max Payne on it. I between, don't know. To hear you know, Mark like Wahlberg that. talk, that dude has no time for anything other than waking up, exercising, going to church. It could, it could take be. Care I, of yeah, who, who knows? But, but anyway, yeah, like something like Truth About Charlie, he he gets lost in, and I, that is to your point, one of those more I think just I, I think it's a that is a chimera of a couple different things. It's he's just out and out wrong for it. Like there's no version of that movie where he's right for it, right? And and the but, another yeah, and then there's Sorry, also just it is in and of itself a kind of layered, more complicated serpentine movie. So like it's just have you. And this is a funny thing I realized with with Truth About Charlie. And this is weirdly another Tom Cruise comparison. If you watch his early movies Mm. and then you watch his later movies. Cruise or Wahlberg? uh, Well, either of them, but Wahlberg in this case. So Cruise, right? This is kind of well documented at this point. Cruise early on had a high voice, right? Yeah. Like in Risky Business, right? Taps legend right but he was boyish yeah lily lily you mustn't right like 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 and i think around your top gun time he made a concerted effort to literally lower his voice to become like the star he was so determined to become walbert kind of does that if you watch like planet of the apes perfect storm uh truth about charlie big time we're like Truth about Charlie, there's a lot of different, you know, emotions. And his sure. voice is really high. And I think it's something that's a, it's a weird actor thing where, like, if, if you think about contraband and Broken City, it's not there, right? He, like, yeah. makes a choice to lower it, whatever that means. And I think that's an interesting thing. But then in the comedies, like the, the other guys or Daddy's Home, 
Um, I, I'm particularly thinking of the other guys. The voice is up there and it's high and it's funny and we're laughing with yeah. him and it's all. So it's funny how he kind of maybe learned that about himself and kind of what he his different, you know, the different modes he could play. I mean, so, there's even we're, we're glazing rock star is just sitting right there for the taking. Oh, my God. Uh, in that yeah. regard. And we're just glossing right over it. But the the Stephen Herrick epic yeah, rock star. But basically, to your point, Dan, this is all to say it gets you to Four Brothers in 2013, which, like we said, is is one of those, you know, it's it's the tough guy mode Mark Wahlberg movie. And I can see how a movie like this is your broken city yeah yeah, yeah. Is, is, yeah. is appealing because it's it's a th- kind of a throwbacky programmer like a th- but a throwbacky like film noir chinatown light type thing right well yeah that- half of this half of this movie if it's like we said robert ryan mitchum whatever yeah, yeah. It, those parts right <laughs> Which this is a convoluted plot, which I guess we have to. No, no, that's what I'm going to say is like it it basically without getting too in the weeds on it, this movie, Broken City, it's a, you know, Mark Wahlberg is a sort of a disgraced police officer turned private detective um, who gets recruited by Mayor Russell Crowe in a performance that I kind of like. Oh, Uh, yeah. It's it's best 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 part of the movie. It's Crowe kind of going full. He's in full Crowe mode. It's very similar to like his mode and like body of lies or something like that um he's he's having fun again not unlike the giovanni Brisi role i think it's a movie that if crow was doing it in a more level set movie uh that you know that didn't maybe want to be a little bit more breezy or laid back i it might annoy me more but it feels right at home in a movie like this um the and and his performance begs the question why didn't they make this a period piece yeah well okay so that's I'm gonna yeah. Basically, Mark Wahlberg plays uh plays a detective, a former detective named Billy Taggart, who great name. Yeah, great name, who becomes a PI. Um his uh his girl Friday is uh Alona Tall. Is that her name? Alana Tall? Yeah, Alona Tall. Yeah, Yeah, they, they have a they have a nice little chemistry. Um but basically, he's kind of down and out. He's looking for money. Nobody's paying him. Um, so very typical film noir, private eye type stuff. And he gets recruited by uh, Russell Crowe, who plays New York City Mayor Hostetter. Uh, Nicholas Hostetter, I believe his name is. Yeah, it's um, like Giuliani, like in 99. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Where it's like before, he, before he's the hero mayor. Yep. And... He's the tough on yeah. the city guy where some people love him, right. some people hate, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Yeah. Um, and basically, Crow is like, somebody, my wife's sleeping with somebody. I want you to find out who it is, right? His wife mm-hmm. is played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. Who I forgot is like not in this movie. No, not really. And I th- I mean, I think it's good casting. I think she, she gives- I know, a, I just I wanted think, one yeah. more scene. You know, I wanted yeah, one she more gives, scene. She gives yeah. fine enough. She gives, uh, she's sort it's not quite a femme fatale It's role. like halfway it's, to, it's like halfway to a yeah, femme fatale. Yeah, it's, right. um, but I mean, it, I guess it is in so much as you, you're just not sure how on the level she is kind of thing. It's like that, it's that type of Well, and actually role. we said Russell Crowe is the best performance, and because you're about to get to him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and I'm going to let you just take it. There's yeah. someone else. So Russell Crowe. You got a little bit of salt. Yeah. And then and you get a little bit of Barry Pepper, uh, Pepper who plays Russell. It actually is a wonderful performance, I think. It's, it's a, a great it's, it's, performance. It's, he's in the, he's got like basically six scenes. He plays kind of a wealthy Connecticut. Um, like a Kennedy. He's like a, yeah. he's like a, is he a not, he's a councilman, right? Is his thing. Yeah, he not yeah. not Massachusetts, his but it's, is, it's his name is Jack Valiant. Yeah, um, I love I love it. I love which, it. Yeah, <laughs> but he's he is sort of the white knight politician uh, who's kind of going up. Yeah, like a, like Crow. a Kennedy, like yeah. like a rich rich yeah. liberal. They even kind of make they make a he makes a joke about that with um, Kyle Chandler, who plays his campaign manager. Um, it's again, if we're starting to list all these people that seem like they have intricate roles to play, it's because they do it because this, this movie kind of gets in the weeds a little bit with, with the players and, and the goings on. But basically it's, it is a uh, generally speaking, a very traditional film noir in that Mark Wahlberg, as he starts to investigate, uh, Catherine Zeta Jones and her alleged affair, he starts to get embroiled in potential political conspiracy that may or may not be tied to Russell Crowe and may or may not have something to do with the election. And it I, I won't get too in the weeds with it because it is, again, you can kind of you can kind of get the gist of it in terms well, of and the, let the me, mood and, and the yeah. type of movie that this is. And let me do a meanwhile. Sure. Meanwhile, his oh, God. <laughs> Billy's Billy Taggart's girlfriend. Okay, played by Natalie Martinez. Her name is Natalie Barrow mm-hmm. in this movie. Um, she is an aspiring actress who was recently finished filming a apparently twenty five million dollar budgeted indie film. Yeah, I yeah that has the biggest. So look, there's a whole part of this movie where. The mayor and the commit the police commissioner played by Jeffrey Wright. Who's also kind of as, fun in this movie. Yeah, they have Billy Taggart under their thumb because the way this movie starts, Taggart killed this guy, and there's and they swept it under the rug and they made it go away. Yes. And what you you learn, of course, without giving it all away, is the circumstances of what may or may not have been a murder by a police officer is more complicated than what the judge ruled. Can you imagine if it that is, happened? No, I, <laughs> um, dude, I know. Can I tell you? I Complicated well, I, to deal with actually watching that. Now. Yeah. No, I was kind I, of like, oof. Yeah. It's, it's a thing that I admittedly watching it in 2013, like didn't feel that crazy about. Right. Uh, but obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the climates have changed and things have changed and, and watching it now, because a full disclosure, I saw this movie like on a whatever, on a Sunday in theaters, you know, like Sunday morning screening kind of thing and thought it was perfectly fine. Right. Like I basically like had no huge. I mean, it's not you know, it's not an amazing film, but it was always kind of a movie like the movies that we talk about that felt like a classic B sidey thing where you're like, oh, yeah, Broken City. It's like this little movie, you know, or this little like mid budget, you know, neo noir thriller. Nobody saw it. But it's kind of fun if you want a programmer, right? It's kind of how I always oh, yeah. thought about it. And a, mo- a movie that a movie that me and you both root for every yes. time it comes out. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And I still do to a degree, but I will say sure. the like vengeful cop, vengeful hero cop uh, antics <laughs> that are on display in this movie 
are gross and I hate them. And it's the, I think what's weird yeah. is this, and what I was wrestling with while rewatching it is, and this is a thing that's common in film noir. I just don't think this movie goes deep enough into it is Mark Wahlberg is so immensely unlikable in this movie. And I, well, and that, but specifically because of his the relationship with the girlfriend, I think. Yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I yeah. think a, I, I have to wonder now, this is a, if, if this all sounds like stuff that shouldn't have even gotten made in 2013, it's because this was a script that floated around forever. This was like, well, and it was, uh, it made the blacklist in, in 2008 yeah. and we got, we got to shout out our buddy, Arin, uh, who was on Cinephile Game Night a bunch of times, Oh yeah, who tweeted at me where I mentioned, you know, some of what we're talking about in a tweet and Arin was like, can you guys go into how, how the heck this movie got made in 2013, which is like, yeah, yeah no, it's, exactly. It's it insane. Is, it is it's certainly... insane even for, even for 2013 and it's more, it feels more insane now. Right. Um, yeah, like and, and not 98, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's sort of the 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 um police, the just the treatment and imagery of like the police in this movie is sort of the tough part. And you and I talked about this offline earlier. That's the toughest part to swallow about this movie, rewatching it. I don't think this movie's totally lost because of it, because I do think, I think unfortunately. And I'm not even I it I, I think if you take this same exact thing and you put it in the hands of like a just an even more nuanced and capable filmmaker, um, you can maybe walk that line, right? Like you can make well you can make yeah. Mark Wahlberg a full on kind of murderous villain who's like still trying to solve this mystery. Oh, yeah, That's you not can necessarily do, you the can least do. interesting thing in the world, you know? Well, I think, yeah, you can either do more of a Lumet type of a movie, right, which is like the complexities of of the badge, or you can do the opposite, which is like make more of a traditional film noir, which is, I think, why we're talking about if you set this in 1947, right, it becomes a little bit more like, okay, they're doing something here, right? And it was we like- should mention, We should mention, Alan, who's directed this, this is his first movie- as a solo without director, his brother yeah without you know uh, the Hughes brothers right so this is I think their last movie together was the book of Eli yes which was three yeah. years before that so yeah and he yeah. and Alan Hughes I was reading a little bit about it because I did because that's the thing it's like it's not you know the Hughes good brothers you know yeah, right capable and, and they and they are good at directing movies like this right like like programmers that are, you know, mid to high budget, maybe, right? Um, really good at creating, I think, just digestible movies, right? Like I don't I don't love Book of Eli, but it's, you know, it's you know, you could put it on the background and sort of ignore it. It's fine, right? Uh same with like From Hell, right? I feel like uh is, is well like, like for well. example, Albert Hughes, right, went on to go solo and direct that movie Alpha from 2018, yeah. which was like the dog cavemen movie, which by all accounts is actually a very good, fun, you know, exciting movie, right? Which right. I, I, I just been on my list. Right. So, there, so I, I guess that's my, th- I'm not even trying to like really knock Alan Hughes down a peg either, like perfectly capable director, right? And, the, and, right. This, and this movie reflects, I think, I would maybe argue the, the limits of whatever that capability is. Cause it's not a bad movie. It's just sort of like, 
I think it's wrestling a little hard with some super sticky stuff that it's not like I wouldn't even say to like, oh, just take that plot out. Right. You could in the way that we were talking about before of like simplifying it, streamlining it. You could certainly do that. But it definitely removes yeah, I wish, some I level wish. of nuance that that deserves to be there. I think yeah. the better version of a movie like this, and they're not the same movie at all, but it, it when you get a really good programmer from a great director, you get something like Widows, right? Where it's, again, a relatively straightforward, simple movie, or even, frankly, like uh, not the same kind of material, but frankly, something like Dark Waters, Right. Like a movie that that feels really straightforward and maybe most people, whether it's Widows or Dark Waters, would look at something like that on its face and maybe be like, oh, isn't this a little like beneath you? Right. Or whatever. But but when you can get directors like that to make these kinds of generally straightforward. Well, and the older the older I get, the more I hate that shit. Oh, like when people beneath, react that like way. you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's no, like, no, no, right, right. Like somehow 100%. Dark Waters is like a lesser Todd Haynes. It's no, like, and, fuck and what, off. I, what I like, what I hate yeah, about it is yeah. like nobody said that when David Fincher directed Gone Girl, and it had the same type of results. Where no. you're taking a, you know, you're taking what would be maybe lower. I, to me, those are almost some of my favorite movies when when like directors do that because then of you course because like, then of you course. get then you get like you get side effects right from Soderbergh. Of course, you get like these really good, and it reminds you why those. You, it reminds you why the genre films, why the programmers are fun and good yeah. in the first place. And when they're well made, this movie just doesn't quite get there. Right. And that's I think the that's the only problem I really have with it. I think if you take. I, out, yeah. Look, I think if you take for me, if you take out the girlfriend in the indie movie subplot which is connected to the crime that Walbert commits and there's a whole thing which we don't want to get into but she but also take, like disappears from the movie entirely no that's like, what i mean if you yeah. take it out right if you yeah. take it out it takes a lot a lot a lot of the kind of weird misogyny in the movie a lot of the like yeah, semi-homophobia in the movie right what have you it, you take that that all kind of goes away and then the only other part of the movie where you kind of go like i struggle with is the moral journey of Billy Taggart, the cop be- who becomes private eye, is totally fine. Yeah. His paying the piper, his coming to terms with what he did, all that stuff totally works on a narrative and moral level. Yeah, I mean, level, the blah, difference blah, 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 blah. between reality and fiction in this scenario is he actually gets fired. You know? <laughs> well, like, but hang on. Well, but this is this is the thing. This is my biggest problem with the movie. And I just kind of I kind of tweeted this. In this movie, Jeffrey Wright's character, who is the chief of police, he is running the city, right? Yeah, and it right, is right. presented like, as you know, that the chief of police is more of is more the mayor, or as much yeah, he's of the, the com- mayor. commissioner, the co- the police commissioner, uh, the commissioner. Sorry, yeah, is the commissioner of police is as much the mayor as the mayor is the mayor. Now look. That well might be true. Like we know how much the cops in the cities like New York and L.A., based on their budget, based on the, the strength of their unions, control decisions. So I'm not even saying that's far fetched at all. I'm saying the movie's acceptance of it and lack, in my opinion, of like any critical eye towards that. Yeah. Really, really. I kind of kept waiting for Wahlberg to be like why is it like this and 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 it never really happens no and it would be it would frankly be right at 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 home in this movie because this movie seems to want to talk about things i mean the i mean the fucking name of the movie is broken city right so the movie seems to want to broach subjects like that look 
a movie I like a little bit more than this, which I know a lot of people have have trouble with, but Street Kings, right? I, sure. I like a, a, a bit. I don't love it, but the politics of that are are very complicated to watch now. But that movie at the end, I think, does a well enough job of confronting at least the systemic issue of overall power in cities that are policed you know by these entities that hold perhaps too much sway yeah in 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 the in the decisions made by the governance right so like street kings confronts it so that you know <laughs> my point is just like i just wish yeah. there was a little bit of that at the end anyway that's broken city I, I, watch I, it for I, the I, berry I, pepper performance. I, yeah, watch it for the pepper. Get a little salt. Yeah. Get a little pepper. I can't wholeheartedly recommend it. You know, it's one of those no, things. No, it's more. But, I wouldn't. Yeah, it's it. If if you like the kind of movies we were just describing, if you want like a like an eat like for instance, if you are down with a a twenty one bridges, watch twenty one bridges instead of this movie. Yeah, twenty one right? bridges is but, better. But than, they're yeah. but they're like kind of in that same ballpark. I would this say this is certainly like, not to not to you know this is certainly not to jump the gun, but this is certainly my my fourth favorite of the four. Now, yeah, I would agree. My first favorite of the four. <laughs> so we're which gonna, I know we're gonna go jump ahead. ahead a little bit, right? Because I, I well, just want to give you context, right? A year, because he. Well, right, only one. in that only year, one year, right? Oh, okay. In that year, he does this Is there movie. a Ted? Is there a Ted? There is not a Ted, but there is... the Because Ted, Ted was right before this movie. So Ted basically broke up. It was contraband. This, like, maybe this three movies were, like, the is the closest thing to a lull you could maybe talk about with him, I suppose. Because, like, he does the fighter. He disappears for two years, right? Um, and correct me, was he nominated for the fighter? I do not believe he was nominated for the fighter. I'm going to triple confirm. But anyway, no, he's you know no. he's the lead in a in a everybody Oscar else heavy, yeah every everybody else is nominated. He as an actor was not nominated. I believe he was nominated for producer though. Oh, because yes. it got nominated for best Cause picture because he, okay. he produced it. So yeah, yeah. nominated as producer, not as actor. So so but he leads you know he leads an Oscar heavy right. Then he disappears for two years, basically. He does a programmer in contraband. He balances the tough guy out with doing Ted, right, which was a hit. A biggest hit of his career. Yeah. I mean. And then do you remember too? Do you remember when he presented with Ted oh at the God. Oscars oh and it was God. a tie? And it oh like felt God. like a joke. It yeah, was for and, like and, it was for like sound design love, or something. Like. And what and what I love is he goes. I actually recently, for whatever reason, rewatched it. He goes, he's like, no BS, no BS. We have a tie because he says we have a tie, and there's like awkward laughter where they're like, oh, this is a bad. It's bit. like a tag. Like, joke don't or don't whatever. do this yeah. bit. People care about winning. Yeah. And he's like he's like no 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 BS. It's a tie, and then he like reads it. And I just yeah. I love Mark Wahlberg saying no BS. That's so that's so funny. Um, but anyway, yeah. So he does Ted, like Dan said, gigantic hit. Then he bounces it back out. He does Broken City program, not including not including the Transformers movies. Ted right, is right. his biggest hit. And yeah. the but and this is so what I think is interesting from the Ted to Broken City of it all is kind of you almost have to wonder if he looks at something like a Broken City and he's like, oh, they don't make movies like that anymore. So now that I just had this crazy maybe. hit, I'll just kind of slip yeah, in. Maybe. I don't know if he necessarily picks his roles that way or thinks about it. It's sort of if you're just looking at the the uh 
the flow of his uh, his filmography. It kind of feels that way. But does Broken City like we talked about? Then he follows it up with I what I with what I think what a lot of people would argue to be one of his better movies in his career, Pain and Gain. Like I said, it feels kind of perfectly calibrated. He feels right at home with Michael Bay. Um, Certainly one of his better performances. It, it, and it is the in my mind the melding of of the of both tough guy Mark Wahlberg 100%. with sort of sensitive. Uh, what's the uh, insecure, well, no, insecure no, no. So, kind of. I, but Mark I think Wahlberg. it's it's more than that. It's the melding of if 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 sensitive, if soft, hard edge, soft center, and tough guy, funny guy, Marky Mark is all one thing. It's right. Pain there. and gain is a good melding of it's of, all of those things, and because it's aware that it's all of those things, it's also complex. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's. It, I would agree, though. I do not love Pain and Gain. I would agree as a performance and then my his actual best performance and i think we both would agree on this his actual best performance is i heart huckabees yeah sure which is like just yeah one of the funnier performances i think i've ever seen in a movie like yeah. it's actually like brilliant i we won't get into it watch that movie his he is and brilliant. He, i mean that was a brilliant movie with that, a capital b brilliant yeah with a capital that, and b. then and and you know at the time I don't think he walked away with any kind of actual nominations or accolades, but he did. Uh, he did get you know, like the critical esteem from it. I do think that performance did give his career. Yes. Yeah, the movie did not at the time. Uh, fun fact about Iron Huckabee is the only movie that uh, me and my friends snuck into it. It was an R-rated movie. The only movie we got kicked out because we were underage oh you like got caught isn't that weird Whoa. we like bought tickets to some other movie That's and they so like kicked funny. us out of i, I, I heart well, what i also love is like good on you as a whatever teenager just being like yeah let's go into i heart huckabees good for well, you well i remember oh. like we were halfway through it i don't think we loved it but we were like pleasantly confused and then yeah. like and then the the you know the, the you know AMC or whatever guy was like he's probably my age you know I don't know he's like he's like hey dude you gotta so go good. yeah anyway that's so, so good anyway um, so he does pain again he does two guns uh, two guns is not one of our B sides but watch two guns it's fun uh, oh I, I think, love I love two guns I, I think he has fun I movie. think he has great chemistry with Denzel Washington um so two guns is sort of also kind of it's almost like he's coming down from pain again a little bit it's kind of a a similar a little bit. type of performance. A um, then Denzel, goes, so fun in that one. Anyway, then go he goes full back into. Now he's in the Berg. We got the two Bergs. His his first, his first Berg. This is his yeah. first Berg. Uh, yeah. He does Lone Survivor in 2013. Um, Monster hit. Monster yeah, hit. Huge like hit. Just um, and absolute. it's him slipping, him slipping back into. This is a this is a post American sniper landscape, right? So he's kind of at that point, you know, Lone Survivor is like a prestige movie, right? And yeah, it's, it's the year after, yeah. I believe, American Sniper. Yeah. So he does Lone Survivor, then he reteams Michael Bay uh, in the sort of the second leg of the Transformers franchise, Age of Extinction. Yeah. Now, Age of Extinction is we don't like to get too negative on this podcast. <laughs> I've seen them all. Um, Age of Extinction is one of the worst movies ever made. Certainly the worst. <laughs> certainly, certainly equal to Revenge of the Fallen in terms of like not great. Um, but weirdly, the last night, the fifth one is like certainly better. I'm yes. just saying. Yeah, like, I would it's agree. certainly a better movie. We all than, know that Bumblebee is the best Transformers movie now. I yeah, Bumblebee right? by like a month. Bumble, Bumblebee in the first one, I would say, yeah. are. In the same vein, I'd say. So he and the third one moments of the third one. 
I haven't watched that in a million years. I only I vaguely remember that Stanley Tucci. Um, you get some good Duha mail. You, oh, you, right. you like some Josh. you like do mail. Um, so so yeah, so he he te- reteams with Bay, does Age of Extinction, and then it he you know he's, it, it kind of feels like he's doing the thing people of his in in his uh, sort of situation would do. You do the big one, and then you, you the kind of the one for me, one for you type thing where he does Transformers, and then he does our next movie. Uh, a remake of the ni- 1978, I believe. I believe so. So a remake of the movie called The Gambler starring James Caan. And this is a loose remake, I would say. Like, he maybe not that loose, but it's... No, I it mean, is, well, plot-wise, it, it follows the same arc. Yeah, it's, but it's, 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 it's... I think the thing that may, may be why one of the reasons people don't like this remake that much is... I think it's decidedly doing something different, which is what I like about it. I, so Rupert White directed it. Yep. This feels like a direct choice by Wahlberg to be like, okay, David or Russell, you didn't want me to make, you know, play the complicated role uh, in Silver Linings Playbook. Fine. I'm going to generate this. 74, by the way. Sorry. 1974. 74, yeah. 74. Was the, the I'm I'm going to generate this. And actually... Toback did not direct the gamble. I'm sorry. He wrote it, I believe. Um, you can tell me who directed it, but it was yeah, I'll not. Tell you. Uh, it, it was not Tobik. Carol Reese. Carol Reese. Yeah. 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 Carol Reese, great actors director. Um, underrated. Um, anyway. So, the remake of the Gambler. Really quickly, Jim Bennett, Mark Wahlberg. He's a rich kid. He's a teacher at a college. Um, his grandfather dies. It was the last role of George Kennedy, the great George Kennedy. In the beginning of the movie, he dies. Um, Jessica Lang's his mother. He's a, as the title would suggest, a unrepentant gambler, gambles everything away. Opening scene right, right, right after the funeral of the grandfather. He goes straight to this kind of beautifully, I love all the production design in this movie. This like beautifully rendered LA Hills, Hollywood Hills, secluded gambling establishment in which it's run by this Asian kind of mob boss he goes in burns all of his money after going up right takes out a loan from a really dangerous gangster played by um michael k williams michael k williams thank you i love every scene they have together by the way i love anyway they, yeah michael k williams is great i i would say all of the gangsters in this movie love, are very love, are very love good. love love yeah. yeah and so while he's there, Brie Larson's a cocktail waitress. They have a weird moment. What you then learn in like two scenes later is Brie Larson is one of his students. He teaches writing at a college. And then they basically get together after he reveals to the entire class that the only talented writer in the whole class is Brie Larson. <laughs> I love that scene. Oh, Look, God. We all do a little of it from time to time. Writing. And some of us start to think delusionally Maybe with a little time, a little peace, a little money in the bank, and you get that room of your own, you think, well, shit, I might be a writer too. I mean, we accept genius in sports as something we cannot do, but it's no more likely that you could be a writer that you could be, what, an Olympic pole vaulter? Because what you have to be before you try to be a pole vaulter, hello, is a pole vaulter, no? Yeah. You are one. A pole vaulter? A novelist. No, I am not. For me to be a novelist, I would have to make a deal with myself that it was okay being a mediocrity in a profession that died commercially in the last century. All right, people do that. I'm not one of them. If you take away nothing else from my class, 
from this experience, let it be this. If you're not a genius, don't bother. All right? The world needs plenty of electricians, and a lot of them are happy. I'll be fucked if I'll be a mid-list novelist getting good reviews from the people I give good reviews to. Look, I'm a literature teacher. I can't write well enough to bother, or I just don't bother. Whichever. Whichever it is, there'll be no apotheosis around here. There'll be no why puto deos feel around here. That's what the Emperor Vespasian said on his deathbed. Dear me, I think I'm becoming a god. But do you know who does write at the highest level? When most of us, and even I, even I, write barely adequately. Do you know who it is? In this room, who is it? Don't give me that look. No, 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 no. It isn't the one who talks the most. You're an NPR host tops, okay? <laughs> the literary person in here is Miss Phillips. She's the least obstreperous in this room, the quietest, and the only one who can have a real career at letters. Some of you can have one perceptually. Only she can have one in reality. This is a movie where, not unlike Laurel Canyon, sure. <laughs> in, a, in, in a way, it's making choices that are very abrasive. So it's like, if you are not going to roll with it, right? If you're like, yeah, by, yeah, minute, yeah. by minute 12, if you're like, this is up its own ass, this is too self-aware, this is aggravating, I don't like any of these people, you should really turn it off because... It's it's gonna never stop doing that, right? So yeah, it's and that's I, and that's kind of the whole movie. Like he gets in deeper, Brie Larson kind of tries to pull him out of it, basically, and he ultimately makes his some crazy choices. Now, the reason I think it's almost silly to compare this to the original is from Jump Street. I think the the emotional. Um, the psychology of this movie is a markedly different than the original. Yeah, they um, both have vi these the two movies. So I had never seen the original actually, and when I saw right. this in theater, I think I saw it with you actually. When I saw this in theaters when it came out, I liked it fine enough. I had I I I had actually kind of some of the same issues I still have with it, uh, and some different ones. I I liked it more on this rewatch, I will say, but um, especially after now watching the original. And I, I mean, the two movies have just vastly different takes on the well, also psychology like Con, of gambling. James Kahn, there cannot be a more different leading man than oh, James Kahn sure. to I, Mark Wahlberg. I don't think Wahlberg, because he's not even playing it, right? He's not even trying to play it like Kahn. No, right? no. If he was playing it like Kahn, it would feel like one of the other Mark Wahlberg performances we're talking about, right? Well, but, well like, look, look here's, the, here's the difference. Kahn... Jimmy Kahn was always seemed like he was thinking about a lot of things. Yeah. Like at his simplest at playing Sonny, right? right. Like just a fucking Guinea. I can say that I'm Italian who like, <laughs> who, who, who it, all he knows is sex and violence, right? Sure. The reason it's a great performance is because of Jimmy Kahn, because it seems like there's more going on. It's like the exact opposite of Wahlberg. When Wahlberg has to have more, it seems like he's working at it. And it can yeah. work, but it's a chore. Jimmy Kahn doing less feels like a chore, right? So I think sure. it's like you have the trajectory of each role is just so different. And yeah. like the toe back of it all, you know, who is, you know, 
the less said about him now, the better with yeah, everything agreed. that's been said about him and alleged and, and not alleged and proven and whatever is, but, but his, his worldview is very nihilistic and the gambler is almost the introduction of that where it's like, yeah, it's the original, the gambler is a descent into depravity, but into like this Nietzschean, like if you can simplify your life to like this one thing, even in its violence, you can find peace. And I think, the this sequel the sequel this remake is but there's no way out of it right is the is the is the 74 mantra kind of right but but it's like you're only gonna go in right right i think the yes but i think the end of that movie well the suggestion that toback and and carol reese and everybody posits is there is a comfort in that like 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 getting to a place in your life where you're like well fuck it we're all gonna die there is a comfort in that, which is why at the end of the movie, Khan smiles. Well, he's be, he's like he's like he is he has become at home with with this sort of disastrous rock bottom place. Yeah, and so this in. the remake posits you can push through that, which is inherently more positive. And I would uh, and I can understand though I reject why people did not like the remake. It just for feels that I mean, so. Um, it sort of, it's not quite as egregious, but it did remind me of when we talked about hardball, right? Um, a, a movie about yeah. a gambling addict that almost posits, you know, and look, I am not, I am not some kind of expert in the psychology of addiction or anything like that. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to claim to uh to know the kind of veracity of what this movie posits about gambling addiction but the what hardball does is that thing that we joked about when we talked about that movie is that is the thing of like oh you just you pay off your big debt and you find your way out and you're done and it's over and it's a little bit more breezy about it than this movie is uh, yeah. in the, in that regard. And it feels irresponsible kind of, you know what I mean? In, in a way you're like, Oh, Oh no, that's not how that works. Right. Um, I'm now just realizing this is like the fourth B side we've talked about, about gambling addiction. I don't know. Either people make a lot of movies about it or we just wind up talking. I think uh, they're rare. Two, two for think, the money is a, is another one. Yeah. That, because I yeah. think they're rarely successful. I yeah. May, maybe. Uh, yeah. but basically oh, I think what this movie does is I think one of the things the movie tries to toe the line in and it thinks it's maybe being clever with and, and maybe it is. And this is why I, I I truly do wrestle with it because there are things about this movie I really like. And I actually the first time I saw this movie, I really kind of hemmed and hawed at Mark Wahlberg's performance um, and watching it this time around. I actually really enjoyed it and think it's one of the best uh, maybe outside of the two supporting performances we just mentioned with john goodman and michael k williams it's like one of the reasons to watch the movie i think it's very interesting um because it is a man losing his mind he's it, it feels less like a man wrestling with the gambling addiction of it all and more a man right, well, yes a man it, this movie i think william monahan who wrote the screenplay um, who wrote The Departed and wrote uh, Kingdom of Heaven, he kind of leans, I think, more towards the ennui of this character than, say, out-and-out out gambling addiction being... The- what makes this movie, I think, inherently less likable than the original and many movies yeah. is, I think, what... And you're basically saying this, the conflict it's positing is 
Jim Bennett is someone who has been given every single opportunity yeah. and is and has come to realize that he's not Shakespeare, that he will never be, that as smart as he thinks he is, his limitations will always be there, no matter how much money his family had, no matter how much money he loses, no matter how much money he wins. And like the ennui, like you said, of that existence, which for 99% of Americans, 99% of the world, you could easily watch that and be like, fuck you. Like right, you're right. you have you I, have high profile problems I, and I don't I, don't I care. think this movie does a better job than I remember of acknowledging that though. Sure. Like yeah. and and they do it through Brie Larson um relatively Because James Kahn in the original is unless I'm totally misremembering, is not rich at all. No, he is. Oh, he is. Yeah, he okay. is. It's, it's, all right, they're, all right. they're pretty like. Oh, so that I, all the, I, I have that wrong. Yeah, I have that wrong all in the, my head. Then. All the general, all the general beats of the movie. Um, the details are different, but the the general beats and the supporting characters at play okay. are all kind of there. They're they're pretty similar movies, and it's why I think that I think this movie is a really good example of justifying a remake because it takes the same basic roadmap and just decides to have a different opinion of it right and yeah i agree and i, I think told, obviously, yeah. and i think that that is kind of what makes this movie worthwhile the the original is worth watching on its own merits i would say you know even just on its own if you are someone listener who if you've not seen the original if you like a movie like uncut gems for instance watch the original gambler Right. Because that I feel like uh, and I feel like I feel like the softies probably even spoke about that when Uncut Gems was, you know, doing its thing. Um, that movie feels like it owes a ton to to a movie, to the gambler. to a movie yeah. like the gambler. I mean, that movie. Um, I mean, Unc- I, I, I don't know that the softies would say this publicly now, but I think they owe a lot to Toback. Sure. I mean, sure. You yeah. know, to- yeah. Toback's movies. Um, the the nature of of a lot of those characters, it would be hard to watch. Heaven knows what, good time. Sure. And look, it's not like he's the only one. So I mean, if if Safties were like, no, you're wrong, I would be like, okay, you know what I mean. No, I'm not no, saying, but it, it certainly I, it certainly feels it's hard that not way. to yeah. think. If you've seen Tobek's movies, it's yeah. hard not to think about love and money, black and white, right? Like yeah. like these movies, fingers. Anyway, um, yeah, but sorry. but yeah, I think the optimism that this movie has on display might be what makes it a li- like a little bit mecha core, right? Like what may I, oh, I think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's, and, and I think the, maybe if this movie took a more nihilistic bent, like its predecessor, people might've liked it a little more, more because maybe you, you almost want to see this, this entitled piece of shit who feels uh, ill at ease with his very very privileged life maybe you want to see him have a little bit more suffering and come up and yeah and i i get that criticism and i i kind of felt that way when i saw this movie the first time even though i, I even sort of basically enjoyed it then as well watching it this time um i realized like oh that's not even the movie that they're making right so it's it's just it, it's a different thing Right. Yeah. And, and that's, I sometimes struggle. This is, uh, yeah, I, right. I, I, I think I struggle sometimes with the critical world a little bit where it's like, 
I get it's a remake, and so I understand they're basically daring you to compare one to the other. But I'm almost like, can't we just watch every movie on its own merit? Like, you know, do we need to watch like, you know, it's like the Godfather three type of thing. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, as its own thing, it's good. Like, do we need to act like it's bad because it's the sequel to the Godfather two? Right. Right. Like, I don't know. I and I think this movie again, even on a superficial level. There are sequences that are put together that are really nice. I will say the the needle drops maybe get that's heavy on the uh, the M eighty three a little it. bit. Yeah, I, I still that's that's I, where you, that's where the mecha core really no, 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 becomes. Sure, but but even rewatching it, like I, it's effective. Like I like, mm-hmm. and granted, again, it's it's that my, was like Oblivion. It, that was like when M eighty three was yeah, everywhere. They they yeah. were big. They were big, and it it. It's it's definitely there's these there's a scene in the middle of the movie where he and Brie Larson go to a casino and it's a nice moment because it's her it's also like her realizing like oh this isn't the gambling isn't just some sort of like high stakes privilege thing he does for fun or kicks it's where she realizes like oh that there's like some other deep seated problem and the nugget of the movie and this is maybe a minor spoiler but near the end of the movie he has a line where he says i mean almost directly to the audience i'm not a gambler and it's yeah. it, it is a direct acknowledgement of like the the addiction thing is not what this movie's about and like that's not why i'm doing this right yeah. and it's punctuated by some of those needle drops like we mentioned and even more so uh by these series of conversations he has with Michael K. Williams and with John Goodman. And like all five of those scenes are the best parts of the movie. I th- I think John, oh, yeah. John Goodman in particular has this really great monologue near the end of the movie. What the fuck you, the fuck you monologue, which is great. And it's a nice little thing where John Goodman, who I think it, I don't know why it took someone. I mean, maybe like the Coen brothers kind of keyed in on it a little bit, but the, the sort of, interesting intimidating factor of john goodman you know what i mean like yeah they get a little you get a little bit of that in, in like oh brother like, in like bar isn't he isn't he like that in barnes oh uh, yeah right? I get, right 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 and and in this it's a similar kind of thing where he's he's sort of like on one hand it has this undercurrent of super scary right coupled with you he's like he seems like he's the easiest gangster to talk to in the world and it's this it's a really good uh supporting performance um but the yeah i think this movie finds life in moments like that i think jessica lang is also very good as his mother um and i think the way this movie flips i i would generally say this movie is overall i think um, and I, I feel like whoever's going to listen to this is just going to go, what? When I say this, I think it's an improvement. I would say oh, over the original. Yes. Wow. I, so we do, we do agree on that, yeah, which I is, think, we might and, be and, the and, only two. And I'm a little cagier, about I'm a little cagey about it. Cause I watching the original, I was like, oh, this is very good though. Like I liked it a lot. So like, and yeah. it's, I think the, the, the reason I would say it's an improvement and this is maybe more just a a time thing, right? Cause the original was made in 74 is the supporting care, both the Brie Larson character and the Anthony Kelly character who played Anthony Kelly plays Lamar Allen. Who's this basketball player who seems sort of tangentially related to the plot and then kind of gets fully brought into it. And in maybe one of the better sequences of the movie, it's a great scene in the original as well. Yeah. But um, as an NBA, as an NBA fan, his scene in the remake, I love 
because the whole I got a knee thing. Yeah, right. Where he just is he, so great. Yeah, I yeah. Love it. he's he's basically this college athlete, college basketball player who wants to get out of college and into the NBA as soon as possible, basically before his knee gives out. And he wants to try and get as much money out of the thing as he can, basically, right? Because as soon as they find out he's got a bum knee, he's no longer a prospect. So, right. uh, and it's and it's interesting because it plays into the the conversations of greatness and excellence in a given field that that come up and and again you know like dan said some of these conversations feel super on the nose and kind of up uh, you know the movie seems like it's up its own ass and maybe it is but it is one of those things of i feel like it only feels that way the more you start to think like wait isn't this about a gambling addict like what the fuck are we doing here and when you realize that like that's not really what the movie's concerning itself with that stuff feels way more at home and way more of a piece and it's pretty interesting i think um but that said those two characters the girlfriend character and the basketball player character yeah lauren hutton plays the uh, girlfriend in the in the the original yes and both of those characters, I think, are just greatly improved. So I think it's just and the relationship with the mother is improved. Like it's all just uh, like the father is an actual character in the original. And so this this movie takes him out of the equation immediately. Um, and I so but yeah. And I think it's even the grandfather dies like the father is not even in the picture. Entity. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't it, it just it. It's a little it it might be less interesting than the original. Like there might be things that Toback's doing with it that that give you a little bit more to chew on. I I think it kind of does come down to like a pick your poison type thing. Like just it, it they they both have their merits, and I think it's a really good example. Like I said before, of a of a movie like worth remaking and a remake that is worthwhile. Yeah, I, I I obviously would agree with you. Um, um, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite Mark Wahlberg moment in this movie? Uh, <laughs> of all the, uh, like, I feel like he has like nine stand on a table and shout scenes. I think where he says you're an NPR host at best to the kid. Yeah, I mean the the things he's like dropping on the kids are. It is just one of those things, and I think I said this to you, my wife and I, when we were watching this while she could not stand it like these, right these which things, i get she, i she mean she could not yeah, stand it yeah. and she yeah. straight up was like why don't those kids just leave the class like i would be so mad like and great but me. i don't know like i went to a state school and i had a teacher who spent two classes talking about his pending divorce i don't know i mean i had those seem moments, that unrealistic had those to me too, and, you, and you know what i did i like probably skipped the next two classes or something until well, I, sure like, but you're like, yeah i mean <laughs> um but um, but what I thought that was interesting and great. I think the point of the movie is kind of that he is a terrible English professor. So it's yeah, I don't think the movie is it, trying to make it seem big, like he's a good. Is, yeah, it's just yeah. that stuff's funny to me. Um, anything else we want to say about this before we wrap it up with the next one? No, I think we got all the time in the world to talk about all the money in the world. Yeah. So he does the gambler um, and then basically. A lot of Berg. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Berg in his future. He pops up in the Entourage film uh, in 2015. Oh, he's which in that- he, uh, he, as you probably know if you're listening, Entourage. He produced the show. Yeah. It's va- vaguely, at least initially, based on based his on his own life, his experiences. I did forget yeah. too. He pops up in the William Monaghan movie Mojave, Mojave. and it's actually. A really great little. He's like the agent. Yeah, he's with, like he's like Garrett Hedlund's agent. Yeah, or something, with Garrett or Oscar Hedlund Isaac and Oscar Isaac. Yeah. 
And he's like, it's a nice little performance. Um, so yeah, so he does Mojave. He then goes Ted two doesn't do well, comes yeah, out. Daddy's home does surprise kind of not a surprise, but but a big Christmas hit. Right. The next Family the next hit. year, 2016, is his, I think, his best. He does two bergs based on real stuff. Yeah. One is the best berg and one is not. Uh, Deepwater, Hori- <laughs> Deepwater Horizon is, is actually, uh, I think, yeah, a very good, good You should movie. seek it out. It's got a... It's Patriots, got, yeah. I was just say, it's got strong, like, uh, towering Inferno type vibes for me. Like, it's just a better good... Though, better, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Better, it's just a better good, than that. Yeah. It's like a just a good, simple kind of uh, disaster action thriller drama. And then Patriots Day, we talked about uh, Transformers last night, 2017. We talked about uh, Daddy's Home 2 does well as well. Comes out basically within a month, I think, of All the Money in the World. Um, yeah. And then, of course, All the Money in the World, you know, uh, not because it was some big hit, but because it is the story of the kidnapping of John Paul Getty III, who is the grandson of uh, J. Paul Getty, who is the oil tycoon, who at that time was the richest person, not only the richest person in the world, the richest person in the history Ever. of the world, yes. is what yeah. the movie said. And initially, this Sony film was starring uh, Michelle Williams as Gail Getty and Gail Harris, then Gail Getty. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is Fletcher Chase, who is J. Paul Getty's kind of uh, secret agent man. And is he then, a real character? Because that is a great name. Fletcher Chase is a real person. Yes. Okay, great, um, great name. And well, remember Brendan Fraser played a different kind of version of that real life character in the Danny Boyle show Trust, which is also about oh, right. the J. Paul Getty thing. Um, and then initially, uh, Kevin Spacey was playing J. Paul Getty in heavy makeup. But then when all of the when all of the chickens came home to roost for Mr. Spacey, indeed. In a crazy moment, Ridley Scott chose to reshoot all of Kevin Spacey's scenes with Christopher Plummer mere months before the release. And somehow they got it done and earned Christopher Plummer kind of a courtesy Oscar nomination. Which feels dumb to me because it's a very good performance. No, I mean, like, it's a good performance, yeah. but it just it's felt like that at the no, time. No, no, no. I think you you're know? correct, like, though. I think like that here's is, one I think for that is... here's. Here's one for the effort. Yeah, I, you know, I, think type of thing. I think that's 100% what happened. So, so we were talking about this. This movie got a lot of press because of all that, but then comes out and basically doesn't really get any attention except for that Oscar nomination. And like, it has kind of quickly been forgotten. And I think it's a very capable it's a good, thriller it's a good about movie. a real life thing. It's, it yeah. is my personal favorite of the four uh, we've, yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. we've talked about. That's interesting. About. Um, it's, I, I think it is right at home to me. I, I, so you said you're a defender of the supporting performance of Mark Rawlberg in this. Oh movie. yeah, we'll get we'll we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah. I I just think that he um he he kind of he's right at home in the uh, in 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 what we kind of were talking about in terms of his two modes, and I feel like he oscillates kind of nicely yeah. between the two. But yeah, th- well, this like we said, this is him trying something else, which is like. As Fletcher Chase, he's this kind of former spy of sorts who now is the private spy of sorts for J. Paul Getty and is a man with no, like kind of very mercenary-like. And then begins in the course of the negotiations for John Paul Getty III, realizes the depths 
to which J. Paul Getty's greed and kind of lack of moral compass, you know, how deep it goes and it kind of fully gets on Gail's side, right? So, yeah. so this story, it's a true story, right? Uh, John Paul Getty III, when he was, I believe, still a teenager. I'm just going to confirm this. 1973, um, John Paul Getty III, the grandson of J. Paul Getty, was, um, yeah, he was like 17. Um, he was in Rome, and he was kidnapped and held for a $17 million ransom. And quite famously, J. Paul Getty said on live television to reporters, I will not pay the ransom. And Gail, the grandson's mother, right, John Paul Getty's mother, kind of fought against the behemoth that was the Getty empire to try to, you know, save her son essentially. And there's a lot in the real story where like you find out, and they touch on this in the movie where uh, John Paul Getty had joked slash talked to people about faking a kidnapping. And then he actually got kidnapped. So they didn't know if it was real or fake for a minute, but it was real and terrible things happened to him. And, the resulting trauma really ruined his life. And really like the Getty family is kind of a, a strange cautionary tale for like American greed, like in terms of just how, what happened to so many of them. Um, so that's like an interesting overhanging element of this whole picture. Um, and look, Ridley Scott is one of my favorite filmmakers. I always think of him as someone who is a William Wylery type of a guy in which like, we all know he's great, but we kind of take him for granted. And like one day we're going to all look back and be like, oh, yeah, was he like the greatest who ever did it? Like, yeah, that's, I, hy that's hyperbolic. But you know what I mean? No, no, you know? no. I totally knew it. I mean, I'm kind of in the I'm kind of on the same page with you. Like I just he's a filmmaker that like I feel like I also feel like weird. Like when this movie came out, it felt weirdly like people kind of wanted to dunk on it a little bit. Like, well, I think part I, of it, if you remember a long with the Kevin Spacey stuff. There was that thing with Michelle Williams got paid, uh, what was like scale for like the reshoots. And it came out that Mark Wahlberg's people had negotiated for yeah. like a million bucks or something. Yeah. And, and the impending controversy, Mark Wahlberg donated all that money basically. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. Like yeah, he, he donated so like, it to, it also became yeah. an equal pay thing as well. So there were things hanging over the movie. And by the time it came out, I think people were just kind of like, Oh, it's just a thriller. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, right, like right, right. And I, well, I think what's a no, this is kind of granted. This movie is, I think, obviously grander in scope and it's in its ambition than, say, something like Broken City, which we were talking about, right? But it does fall into, I think, that same kind of category to a degree of like, this is what you get when you get one of the, you know, a, a great living filmmaker to make your seemingly straightforward yeah. thriller, right? Like, right. You're saying, like, this is a great example of, the broke yeah the broken city yeah because right? this, like, yeah, this, yeah. this story could very easily be a six-part thing on hbo right well, tr well the, trust right, trust right, was sure, a, sure. Sh a show on fx yeah. right but like you you could very easily just do that right and that makes a lot of sense but like this is the better version of that because it's just a like a cleaner a good movie yeah a cleaner again 
it, you know, it's it, it's over two hours. So like, but just it, about yeah, yeah, just, it's just over just two over, hours. Yeah. But not at least to me, not in a way that I was kind of rolling my eyes at. You know, like it's it it's over two hours, but it feels kind of the exact length. Yeah, this is like me. this is like to me where you go like Siri, show me what is a good movie, right? Like just like <laughs> sure, like just sure. like a, yeah, it like and and you know, I think even even the the spacey of it all right right kind of makes me like this movie more because there is even the added thing of like oh they fucking just did all that like i to me and maybe i don't know somebody can somebody can disagree with me on this but like to me watching these things now i did not see this movie when it came out i only watched this movie like a week ago right um so which i kind of am glad that i did because i feel like i'm i was watching it for the first time removed from just all of the constant discourse right right um so but to me every scene plumber was in and not really in a bad way i was both watching the movie and sort of removing myself from it and thinking like okay did they reshoot the entire scene or did they just like did they cut did you did you read did you read about it i did not no 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 no. okay so so um and this is from memory mostly i did not reread about this but i i read a pretty uh, heavily in 2017 as as i recall and i can link two articles about this in the article it was mostly reshooting close-ups and and utilizing masters that already existed with maybe some digital digital face adjustment type stuff okay um as needed yeah but like a lot of ots over the shoulder yeah, stuff yeah. where you know that's like that lives right you know right and look Ridley, once again, Ridley Scott is a professional filmmaker. Right. Like this is yeah, a dude yeah. who like I has guess, not gone over budget on a thing since Legend, right? Like I, well, my, my I, guy. I just guess that's my makes that's movies. kind of my yeah. point, and we talk about this a lot with these types of filmmakers. But a dude who like does the work, right? And like and and, and look knows, and look, his brother, God rest his soul, was the same way. Yeah, for all the crazy different acid, blah blah blah. We talked about Domino Spy Game for the for the aesthetic differences of them. They both were like good old boys when it came to like, yeah. you know, you know, balancing the budget sheets. Yeah. Uh, you know, as and, I understand and it, again, at least. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's hard to justify that when you look at probably what a movie like this wound up costing versus what it wound up making. That's a different story because there's not necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. there's not necessarily any control over that, right? Like, and no, actually, <laughs> let me correct myself because I do think Robin Hood. Oh uh, yeah, no, budget, I was, but... when you said that, I was I was like, that can't be true. Like, there has to at least be <laughs> there has to be. I I couldn't think of any off the top of my head, but I was like, there has. I to believe at least Robin be a Hood was a bit of a a, a couple. Uh, yeah, a couple yeah, of, yeah, like yeah. you're telling me kingdom of heaven didn't go over budget i don't think so that's crazy i mean i, I don't think we'll, we'll so. never know but like uh one day but, we'll do ridley as a b-side we'll talk about oh, white squall we'll talk about know. the counselor is what we'll talk about for days dude um, someone to watch over me he's made yeah. a few good ones yeah but basically yeah i don't know i just li- really liked this movie and it was i think i think my reaction to it might seem a little stronger because it is just I am impassioned by the thing of like, oh, wow, nobody fucking gave a shit. Like, well, and look, Ridley Scott's uh, yeah. out here fucking hit doing the work, hitting the solid triple with mm-hmm, a, with mm-hmm, a trio mm-hmm. of lead performers that mm-hmm. are all fucking killing it. Right. Like that. And maybe not doing career best, but they're all doing good work. Right? Well, and, 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 and nobody and, and, cares. And the right. And the Wahlberg part of it is like if whether or not you like the gambler, I do think it can be said. And you alluded to this earlier, Connor. And that's kind of we're getting to the end of this episode. I think it's a nice, 
this is a nice way to end in as much as with Mark Wahlberg, he's getting older and him playing this kind of more complicated intellectual role for whatever that's worth. He feels, at least to me, and I know you agree with me, more comfortable in the space in All the Money in the World, which you would hope. Now, he's got, I believe it, it was called Good Joe Bell. Now it's just called Joe Bell is out, uh, I think, later this year. It's like the, an Oscar push. That's like a, a com, more complicated Mark Wahlberg performance, right? So he's got stuff that's going to come out that will hopefully hopefully show an increased you know, comfortability and complexity as Wahlberg gets older, as he approaches 50 and whatnot. I would hope we could all look back at all the money in the world and be like, this was a good indicator of he was going in the right direction. But as we speak... A lot of people don't agree with us. So I would be I, yeah. I like I feel like people gave him shit for like not being up to the task of playing against Michelle Williams and Christopher Plummer. And in fairness, those are two of our greatest actors. No, right. But I, mean, I that's, disagree. That's like he other... has he he gives it back to Plummer towards the end of the movie when he kind of comes to terms with who this guy no, is. No, and that's I think that's a good little moment for him. And that's kind yeah, of Yeah, I agree. That yeah. scene where he it's I mean, it is it is his character's climax, right, for the movie. Basically, um, yeah. Where he kind of tells Plummer what's what. I'll drop a little bit of it right here. I think I'm finally beginning to understand what makes you tick. No, no, you couldn't begin to. So, spill it. What's going on? What's her game? Don't forget, Chase. I have a contract. And I'll enforce it. No, I don't think so. Oh, why not? Can you hear me? I want to make sure that I am very clear whatever personal security you presently enjoy comes from me. All right, those Alsatians limping around the pool? My people trained them. Your security system? My people installed it. The bodyguards? That's right, you rapacious old fuck. You are protected from every threat imaginable unless that threat happens to be me. I suppose this is your way of submitting your resignation. Hey, men of risk? Isn't that what you called us? I risk my money, you risk your life. You're so full of shit. You and me? And risk the thing in our lives. We never took the chances ordinary people take. That's why we are where we are now. You're just cheap, Paul. You could have all the money in the world and you are still a no good, miserable son of a bitch. And don't you forget it. Goodbye, Mr. Getty. And it's a good, it, it is, I think, the alchemy of the things that Mark Wahlberg you know, of these two halves of the kinds of yeah. performances that we're talking about, because he's got what I like about the character is he shows up and he is this uh, he's you know, he's a, like you mentioned, Danny, he's a fixer, right? He's essentially is a Michael Clayton. He, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you when you look at him. Uh, and it fe this feels intentional. It doesn't even necessarily feel like a vanity thing. And this is even, frankly, obviously a compliment. Like he fills out his suits, right? Like he looks like a dude who, despite the three piece gray flannel suit, could still kick the shit out of you. Right. Totally. So yeah. when you hear that he's ex CIA, you're like, oh, this dude has like murdered people for sure. Right. And there's this nice little moment with him and Michelle Williams at some point in the movie while they're waiting for a phone call from one of the kidnappers where he sort of explains himself a little bit more. And he's like, no, I'm not, I wasn't that kind of C I I've always been a fixer. Right. And right, like he doesn't have a gun, right? He has right, that scene right. with he's Michelle like, Williams where he's like, I've never felt, 
I've needed a gun, right? I've always find you can like talk, 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 talk to people, you know, right? Talk, figure it out. And yeah. it's a good, I like that scene because it's a good, quick, little, just let's, let's wrap this character, not wrap this character, but like, let's package this character up in a bow for you. Just so you, let's give you one quick scene where you know exactly who you're dealing with kind of thing in a way that maybe pleasantly surprises you because when you see him initially in the movie, and I think this is a great move by Ridley Scott you think he's going to be someone who's going to like behind closed doors, muscle down a kidnapper later on in the movie or something like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like and you, it never happens. And it yeah. never happens. And I, well, which is another reason maybe why the movie wasn't that successful is like when, when the rubber meets the road, there is not any sort of, and this isn't, I mean, look, it's a true story and we're not really spoiling it, but there's not ever really a like, shootout right or something right. where that, the, the, that, like and, and even to get where the movie gets without spoiling it even to get to the you know the supposed sort of uh, you know narrative climax the movie gets to yeah, that's all fabricated so it's mm. it's the kind of thing where you can imagine um you can imagine scott just and company deciding how far they might want to like push that envelope in terms of like what are we going to do for dramatic effect and the sake of telling just a good story and a good movie and how, you know, and how, how much do we not want to stray from what actually happened? And so there, yeah, there isn't, you don't get, you don't even get the chance for Mark Wahlberg to slip into the tough guy role. And the most he can do is when he kind of lays it down to John Paul Getty. And it's a good, and it, what I love is it feels like this meta moment almost. And you, you know, who knows, who knows obviously with this movie especially what shooting was like or anything like that but it almost feels like if you're looking at the movie in a meta fashion like you said he's he's you know he's in the ring with two of our finest actors right so it's this thing it's this moment of almost him being like you know what i've been sitting here this whole time and i've been getting pushed around and i've just been letting you i've just been the rock that you guys have just been washing your waves over and i just got to say this thing right and that's yeah, what that yeah. scene feels like to me and it feels earned because i think and and I do not think people of his caliber of movie star get credit enough for things like this, but he lets it be Michelle Williams movie and he lets it be Christopher Plummer's movie. And he sort of, I think a lesser character wise, a lesser person in his position would have maybe wanted to command and fill that space a little bit. Well, more. And I, the, yeah, the, yes. The and, performance, I, and I think I he always... gets a lot of, he should get, a, he should get credit for letting them do their work. Well, and I always think Ethan Hawke sure. got got credit deservedly for I think the the greatest one of the greatest examples of this, which is clearing the road for Denzel in, in training, training day. day. Sure, yeah. But also having his moments and getting nominated, where it's like I'm not saying Wahlberg should have been nominated for all the money in the world, but he is doing what you're talking about, which yeah. I think should when that happens, it's harder to it's harder to you know, I think it's harder to be well because it's uh, not motivated to, to to you know to celebrate it. But I think if you if you think about it, you know, you would. It's a it. it's yeah. a it's not it's it's like a it's a true supporting performance as opposed to like an Oscar-y supporting performance, right? Right. Where the you know what that actually is is him and The Departed, 
right? Where it's like he's going to steal every scene he's in because he's very entertaining or whatever, right? And yeah, that, I know that, what you are, yeah, and I, I know, know what, what you're not. not. You know, fucking cop, right? Cop and cop and and whatever. And that obviously has its merits. He's very entertaining in that movie. So you like there's all it's almost i mean the departed of it all is almost like the flip side of that argument where you could say yeah but we should also give these people praise when it's due for having to stand next to a leonardo dicaprio and a matt damon and a martin sheen and an alec baldwin and having the gumption to just be like no i'm gonna fucking steamroll my way through this right mm-hmm. um which is another thing entirely but yeah i don't know it's the it's the understated nature of this performance in particular uh where you almost it's not as it's he doesn't bend the needle or move the needle so far the other way like he does admittedly in The Gambler or in some of the other performances you mentioned where it almost feels like a like a comical sort of where he's like, this is what a bookish person is like. Right. Right. Um, right, right. It He he plays it right down the middle. And I kind of I was very surprised by it. And I I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. And it's a I don't know. It's a good. All right. Film. So so you. So you rank this one, and yeah, then I would what do you – so All the Money in the World won. Yeah, it's probably All the Money in the World. I would say maybe Contraband and The Gambler are kind of tied in their own way. I'd probably maybe just go All the Money in the World, The Gambler, Contraband, Broken City. Um, yeah, and I would just swap – right, I'd go The Gambler, All the Money in the World, Contraband, yeah. Broken City. But yeah. I do th- – yeah, I, I think um, I don't know. It's I. This was a fun one to do because he's not someone I've ever loved, right? So it was like fun. I, to... Yeah, and I realized in watching that I certainly like him more than I realized, right? Like, y- yeah. And going through his filmography, I certainly was like, oh wow, yeah, it, he's been in a lot of stuff I really like. <laughs> I feel like I, I and when you said Bruce Willis, it kind a light bulb went on for me because I was like, oh, that's it. That's the person. And granted, as you know, we grew up with Bruce Willis already movie star, right? And already yes, yes. kind of doing the th- even both sides of those kind of performances. So I didn't have this relationship with Bruce Willis, but I feel like I have the relationship with Mark Wahlberg that maybe like my older siblings or my had parents with had with Bruce Willis, where it's like, right. oh yeah, I really liked him in Sixth Sense. You know, like where you're like, and it's, right. it's I, I feel like that's the relationship I have with Mark Wahlberg, where he is a little guilty until proven innocent with me, I suppose. Um but now, he's not incapable of it. And I, I realized, like I said, I, I think I like him maybe a little bit more than than I would have suspected. Now, he's got an Antoine Fuqua coming out called Infinite, in which he's a man discovering that his hallucinations are actually visions from past lives. <laughs> sure, whatever. He's in he's in Uncharted, uh, in which he's like, I don't know that game really, but he's So hang on, is, here's the best here's the best part of that. Him he's not that, Nathan Drake, even though he he's was not at, Nathan Drake. Certain, this is, in, he plays in, he plays Victor in, Sullivan, who is like right. the plucky cigar chewing older mentor best friend character to the Nathan Drake character. And I, people on Twitter have already joked about this, so this is not my joke, but it is just the funny thing of like when a movie takes so long to get made that you yeah, go that from he being becomes, Nathan Drake to the elder mentor character. Like, yeah. <laughs> is a well, and it's funny because he was going to be Nathan Drake with David O. Russell for a moment. And then Which that went I, away. I, and, yeah. I don't know. You know, so it, there's been a million versions of it. And then, you know, like for a moment, who's I, directing it uh, now? 
It's, Ruben Fleischer. Ruben that, Venom Fleischer. But that, Ruben, to, honestly, that feels... Gangster exi- Squad that, Fleischer. That feels exactly like the person I'm who in, should direct I this am movie. excited. I am excited to see Joe Bell um, because Ronaldo Marcus Green uh, is an interesting filmmaker. Uh, he's also making the movie King Richard with Will Smith, which is about Richard right. Williams, who is the father of Serena Venus. Um, so I like that. I I don't I can't say I like Ronaldo Marcus Green. I haven't seen enough of his work, but I I'm intrigued by him. Is that movie I, finished, King Richard? King Richard, I believe, is finished, and Joe Bell is going to be out any moment. So interesting. I'm excited for that. I I'm not excited for Uncharted. You know, I'm not excited for Infinite, but I hope Joe Bell is good. I hope he gets notices for it. I hope it spurs him to do more Joe Bell like stuff because I think that's what we would like to see is like. I would love it if, like, look, Spencer Confidential, I did watch, came out earlier this year. It was a Netflix movie. It's a, it was another Peter Berg. I really did not enjoy it. Um, and it kind of had me, it soured me on the whole Berg Wahlberg thing as a whole. And I don't even, you like, had already like, soured on it though. Is like, that's like, I the, like, like, I like, I like Lone Survivor fine. I like, like Mile 22 Horizon. didn't do it for like Mile, Mile 22 is not the one. Well, that's that... the thing. <laughs> it's like a one, two punch of Mile 22 and Spencer for confidential had sure. me being like, gosh, I hope maybe we can re- kind of recalibrate a little bit. That would be my hope. So hopefully Joe Bell is the beginning of that. Yeah. I would love to see what Mark Wahlberg is like in a Michael Mann movie. Um, I would, I think Michael Mann would be the kind of director that could could keep tapping into exactly this alchemy of the two halves of Mark Wahlberg that that we're talking about here. Um, I think, I, I mean, realistically, like somebody else who could do that, maybe a maybe a Soderbergh. Like I, eh, I, you yeah, know, I, 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 have I, no, I, I don't, I don't even Mark know who Wahlberg I want does to see feel a little, with, yeah. yeah, Wahlberg feels a little too outsized for the stuff Soderbergh's doing now. But like, I think Man's a good one. I think, look, I mean, the younger filmmakers you're gonna see, yeah, give give Mark Wahlberg a safety movie. Well, but but look, look, Ronaldo Marcus Green, is, yeah, is, right, that's my right. point. It's like it's like he's somebody who that could really work. You know what I mean? And so sure. we'll see. Um, but. Let's hope that continues to happen. Um, so yeah, I think we got it. So this this was our Mark Wahlberg episode. We have a few exciting ones coming up. We have, if you follow us on Twitter, you probably know this. We're talking with uh, very talented actor Alessandro Navola. Uh, he's going to be on with us in the coming weeks, talking yeah, the, about his own B sides. The Kate Beckinsale episodes, just the gift that keeps on giving. The gifts, yeah. It, it led us to contraband. Um, it'll lead us to other things. We haven't mentioned this on, on this show yet. We're also ch- talking with our friend Zasha Mamet, who you know from uh, Girls and her new show, The Flight Attendant, among other things. She's going to be on talking about some stuff as well uh, coming up. So those are fun kind of guests yeah, those, that we those, have on the rise and we're excited those will for. Be cool. Definitely kind of look us up. Give us a rating on iTunes if you can. Um that always helps the algorithm as it were uh give us a follow follow us on twitter at tfs b side i'm taking some of what connor says yeah i'm at, at doing my dj job i know sorry i'm <laughs> at dj mecca um i have a few reviews i wrote i read i wrote a review about the new crudes sequel which i mean you know gotta gotta get that you know, cage gotta, review gotta get that crudes yeah I have an art. I have a review coming about a movie called Half Brothers, kind of an interesting comedy drama dramedy uh, that should be posting any day now. If you're listening uh, when this posts, um, 
So yeah, that's kind of what I have going on. Uh, we have Fathom at Fathom Stories. We'll have a December episode coming out. That's kind of um, you know uh, one that I wrote, one that I'm excited about. We have the man who did not sleep as our most recent episode. Our friend Catherine Gray did some great voice work for that. Do you definitely give that a listen? Yeah, past and once again. That's guest. at yeah, that's at Fathom Stories. Uh, and yeah, Connor, as always, as ever, I will pass it to you to uh, to lead us out. Yeah. So like Dan said, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at TFSB side. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. You can find me on Twitter at scruffy looking. And, you know, we talked about a few things here. Um, we talked about some stuff we liked, some stuff we didn't like, some good work, some bad work. But either way, we just scratched the tip of the wall. Yeah.